a song being sung a lot as an invitation hymn when I was a teenage boy. I think about so many people who sat in a congregation, hear the gospel preached, wrestling with the Spirit of God in their own heart, and they could say, almost, almost, but almost is a tragic word, isn't it? If someone leaps for a rope and they almost catch it, it means they perish. Almost, but lost. Let's pray. And as we pray, I know we usually give the invitation at the end of the service, but as we pray, if there's anybody here today who says, you know, the Spirit of God has spoken to my heart, maybe even through this song, and you say, I, I, I've wrestled with this for some time. I want to be a Christian. I want to know Jesus. I want to know for certain that my sins are forgiven, that I have eternal life. Would you just right now, would you just call on the Lord? The Bible said, whoever calls upon the Lord will be saved. Would you just cry out to him right now? Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I know I've sinned. And I know that I deserve judgment and death. But I believe, I believe that Jesus took my judgment, took my death, died in my place, rose from the dead, and now offers to me the free gift of eternal life through faith in him alone. And right now I trust you, Jesus. I trust you. I receive you. I believe you. Would you pray that prayer right now? And if you did pray that prayer and you really meant it, would you just let me know so I can pray for you? Would you just... Hold your hand up and say, I, I prayed that right now, this morning. Amen. All right. Others? Others. Okay. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you have made salvation available not through uh, amazing works that we can do. Had you made it available through those who could run the fastest or jump the furthest or work the hardest, there would be many who would be outside of that possibility. But well, you've made it so that whether a person is 90 or whether they're 9, that if they can acknowledge and believe that they are sinners and will trust you, they can be saved. Their sins can be forgiven. Their life can be changed. And I pray for those here today who perhaps have almost been persuaded that they'll be able to erase the word almost and be able to say, I am persuaded by the Holy Spirit to trust in Jesus, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. The last few weeks we've been uh, studying uh, something about the Holy Spirit of God. And we've said, just in a very, very brief recap, that every person who is a Christian has had the work of the Holy Spirit happen in their life. The Holy Spirit is the one who shows us that we need a Savior. We would never figure that out totally on our own. The Holy Spirit is the one who shows us that Jesus is that Savior, and he actually draws us to Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who actually does the work of converting our soul and making us a Christian. And then the amazing thing 
the Holy Spirit actually takes up residence in our life, in the believer's life. Every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So he is resident in every life. But sadly, he is not president in every life. Because there are some people who even though they are born again, they are genuinely saved, they are not walking in obedience and in the control of the Holy Spirit. And so we looked last week at this, uh, of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. The word to be filled with has the idea of being under the control of, having the, the actual force of our life being driven by the Holy Spirit, not by our own efforts, not by our own intentions. But here's something I want you to understand is that every Christian, every true Christian, has a desire in their heart to be an obedient Christian. It's there. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you, then uh, is, is this microphone working? It's okay. I didn't know if I had it muted. No? Okay. Uh, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, then he is creating in you a desire to be obedient. It's there. Before I was a Christian, I had no desire to live a holy life. I had no desire to really be pleasing to God. I, I wanted to be pleasing to some of my teachers. I certainly wanted to be pleasing to some of the girls that were... Uh, that, that, I, that I knew. I had a desire, maybe even to be pleasing to my boss so I would make more money, perhaps. But I had no desire to be pleasing to God. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't want to read my Bible. I had a Bible, but it just was, it didn't mean anything to me. I'd, I went to church, but I didn't like to go to church. I didn't go to church because I wanted to hear the word of God. Again, I went to church because that's where the girls that I liked were. And also because my mother and my daddy made me go. And I don't remember ever twisting my arm. They just said, we're going to church. And I went where they went. And, uh, but, but I don't ever, ever remember before I was 17 years old listening to eagerly to a sermon and saying I want this to help me live for Jesus I just didn't do that but the night I became a Christian I mean the very night that I was saved immediately I had a hunger not just an interest but a hunger for the word of God I wanted to hear about the Lord. I wanted to, to tell other people about Jesus. I went to school the next day telling people that Jesus had saved me the night before. I didn't know how to explain it, didn't even know what it all meant. I just knew that my life had radically changed. I even went to my English teacher, Miss Elta Doris, that nobody liked. And I told her, I said, Miss Elta, 
I want you to know I love you. And she looked rather shocked. And she said, that's not going to help you get a better grade in here. I said, I know it probably won't, but I just want you to know. And then she asked me, she said, did you get saved? I said, yes, ma'am. And uh, she actually liked me a little better after that. But, uh, but I'm just saying that when you do become a Christian, at that moment, at the moment of your salvation, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and even filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. And how do you become a Christian? It is by faith. It's not by works. It's not by trying to be a good Christian. Sometimes, you know, people go to church, they say, well, I, I want to try to live a good life so that maybe I can be good enough that when I die, God will accept me into heaven. Well, that's, that's what we'd call the religion of good works. And the Bible teaches that if you're going to go to heaven by your works, all you have to do is be completely perfect in every way. Never sin one time. That's kind of depressing, isn't it? And it's kind of, uh, uh, what's the word, disqualifying for everybody. Because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if we're going to get into heaven by works, it can't be our works. It's got to be somebody's works that work perfectly. Well, praise God, there was somebody who did everything right. Jesus obeyed every law in every way, and he lived a life without sin. The Bible says in four different places that he was without sin. So he worked for us, and then he died for us. So we are saved by faith in him. That's how we become a Christian. Listen to this passage in uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Paul is writing to these Galatians who had trusted Jesus for salvation. And then somebody came along telling them, Well, now if you want to really be a good Christian, you've got to obey all the Jewish laws. And some of them were getting kind of confused. And they were thinking, well... Now, I know I, I got saved by trusting Jesus, but now I guess it's up to me to really live a good Christian life. Because they wanted to live a good Christian life. Every born-again person wants to live an obedient life. There is a desire there. If you don't have any desire to be an obedient Christian, you, you don't have Jesus living in you. You don't have the Holy Spirit living in you. Okay, so listen to what he says Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He said, when I preached to you, I just painted such a picture. I showed you Jesus on the cross dying for your sin, and you trusted him. Now, let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit? By works of the law or by hearing with faith? 
How did you become a Christian? Was it by your effort or was it by trusting in Jesus? Well, obviously they knew the answer to that. So are you so foolish that having begun by the Spirit, you are now trying to be perfected by the flesh? Does that make sense to you? Have you ever? Well, you know, I really believe probably this is true. Almost everybody who gets saved and they have this desire to live a godly life, a good Christian life, maybe most of us don't understand that the way we live the Christian life is the same way we received Christ. And so we start out trying to do our best. When I got saved... It's age 17. I was so thrilled, so excited, so absolutely blown away by the fact that God loved me, Jesus died for me, and I'd been saved, that I actually thought that I would never sin again. Isn't that silly? But I really thought, I thought, man, I'm just going to live for Jesus. I'm going to, the Christian life I thought was going to be easy. That didn't last very long. It, believe it or not, I think it actually lasted about three days. Now, I, I don't know that I've ever thought that any other three days in my life, but those first three days I was saved, I absolutely just, I couldn't even imagine sinning against God. But then something happened on about the fourth day. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I... I realized that the Christian life wasn't easy. And then I moved into another phase of my Christian thinking in which I thought the Christian life is hard. And I've got to work hard at it. And for about four years, I tried my best. Well, probably not my best, but I tried really hard to be a good Christian. And I worked at it. I tried to keep all the commandments, but I didn't. I tried to, to do everything like I thought God wanted me to. I tried to win other people to Jesus. In fact, I'd try so hard that if they wouldn't pray to receive Christ, I would lower the bar a little. And I'd keep on until I'd finally get them to pray that prayer, whether they meant it or not. And the truth is, I wasn't really doing it for them. I was doing it for me. And I remember the night, I was about a sophomore or maybe a junior in college, and me and some other boys, we'd go out on Friday nights and we'd witness. We'd come back from our witnessing like, like hunters coming back from the hunt, you know. And uh, I know you, you probably go out and shoot a bunch of boars or something like that, you know, and you come home and say, well, I got seven tonight, right? You do that sometimes? And that's okay. That's okay. And you got your friend there with you. And what, what's your name now again? Kelsey. And Kelsey's also a hunter. Y'all ever have competition? You ever see? Huh? She wins every time? Okay, all right. Well... 
Well, me and my Christian buddies, we'd have competitions. We'd go out. I'm ashamed even to be telling you this, but it's the truth because I was trying so hard. And we'd come in and say, well, I got three tonight. Well, I got four. Then I'd be kind of jealous of him, you know. Oh, I've got to try harder. Isn't that a shame? I mean, it's pitiful, isn't it, Brother John? And, uh, and I remember one night I was witnessing to a boy down in Jackson, Tennessee. And I was trying to get this young man to pray to receive Christ, and he wasn't interested. He didn't even want to hear it. And I just, but I thought, man, I got I to gotta get at least one more. And I said to him, I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to bow my head, and I'm going to keep praying for you, and then when you get ready to receive Jesus, you just reach out and take my hand. And I got to pray, and I prayed for probably four or five minutes, and all of a sudden he reached out and took my hand. Now, I think I know in my heart that the reason he did that was just to get me to leave him alone. He just thought, man, this guy's going to keep me here all night if I don't take his hand. And when he touched my hand, I said, Amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, you just got saved. Which I just lied to him, is what I did. Because I was trying to be a good Christian. And I thought the Christian life is hard, but if I try hard enough, I can achieve it. And then after about, this is actually before Caroline married, I came to realize the third phase of the Christian life. I thought first it was easy. Then I thought it was hard. And then about my senior year in college, the Lord showed me that it's impossible. That there's no way I could live the Christian life. I couldn't do it. It was too hard. Because there's only one person that can live the Christian life. And that's Christ. And it's not even hard for him. And so when I came across verses like this, it says, Christ in you is your hope of glory. Or verses like this, I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live. Though it's not I, but Christ who lives in me. And where the Apostle Paul said, I labor, but it is not by my strength, it is by his strength. Or when he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might who works mightily in you. And I suddenly realized by senior year in college that God had never asked me to live the Christian life. He had asked me to trust him to live the Christian life by the Holy Spirit who lived in me. And I began to read some books. I remember the first book I read that really kind of opened my eyes was The Saving Life of Christ by Major Ian Thomas. And then began to read other books in which he talked about the Christ life for the self life. 
and books like that. And I began to gradually realize that Jesus could live in me, but he could also live through me. And the life that I lived as a Christian, anything that was truly of any lasting value, the Spirit of God did it. You see, the Bible talks about a time when we'll, all of our labors, all of our works are going to be evaluated. And he said there are going to be some who just have wood, hay, and stubble. What is that? That is my efforts. It is my doing for God to try to impress God or maybe to try to impress others. And all that stuff just, it's just straw. But he said there'll be some that will have silver and gold and precious stone, precious jewels. What's that? That is Christ's work in and through me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I preached a sermon to a group of teenagers down here at Ovilla Christian School a few years ago. I think it was the last time they asked me to preach there. And uh, my sermon title was Stop Trying to Be a Good Christian. And I think all the teachers had apoplexy all of a sudden and nearly fainted. Here's the pastor telling our kids to quit trying to be a good Christian. And I said, stop trying to be a good Christian and trust Jesus to live his life through you. And then you won't try to be, you'll just be. And God doesn't want us to strive to be. He wants us to be. I hope that makes sense. And you know, uh, I have explained this to people. It just, it's just like salvation. You know, there are people that I've witnessed to and witnessed to and witnessed to, and I think, they're not getting it. Has that ever happened to you? You, you witness somebody, and they just look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. Just, you know, and you think, this is so simple. This is, but they can't get it. Why? Because the natural man cannot receive spiritual things. I remember witnessing to a barber here in Dallas years ago, and I would just, I'd go get my hair cut there just so I could witness to him. And I'd tell him about Jesus, and I'd show, and I'd give him a, a Four Spiritual Laws booklet or something, I'd read it to him, and I'd say, well, Jim, what do you think about that? He'd look at me, and he'd say, well, I had a grandfather who was a deacon. And I said, what in the world are you talking about? That doesn't even make any sense. That's totally non-related to what I just shared with you. I'd go back the next time and I'd draw some pictures for him and show it. I think make it so simple that I think even a four-year-old could understand it. He'd look at it and he'd say, well, my mother used to sing in the choir. And I'd think, you're so crazy. That doesn't even make sense. We're talking totally different things. And the last thing I did before I moved from Dallas to to Tennessee was went and 
witness to him one last time and just totally did not make any sense at all to him. We got moved to Tennessee and about maybe six months or a year later, he called me one night. He said, Brother Nick, I need to get saved. He said, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. And he said, I'm coming to Texas. I'm coming from Texas to Tennessee. I'm coming to your house. I want to get saved. And I said, well, that's great, but you don't have to come to my house to get saved. Jesus is right there. You can get saved. And he said, no, I want to do it in your living room. I said, well, drive carefully. Don't you get killed coming over here. And he got to our house, and he got saved that night. It's just amazing. And it was like, he didn't say this to me, but he might have looked at me and said, why didn't you make it clear to me? And then I would have choked him. (laughs) In Christian love, of course. Because I think, I made it clear. But see, the thing about it, you can't make it clear to a dead man. Because in order for him to come to life, it takes a miracle. And the Spirit of God has to raise him from the dead. And that's what happened to Jim that night. God raised him from the dead. And he was saved. And and it's different with everybody. It's different with everybody. But it's the same with everybody in, in one way. The Spirit of God has to do it. And now that night, Jim bawled and squalled and rolled around on the floor and, and I, I mean it was exciting and he liked to squeeze me to death when he got up and just was so happy but it wasn't the emotion that made him saved it was Jesus that made him saved when, I, when we did live in Tennessee a friend of mine asked me to go up and see this rock and roll singer up in uh, Trenton, Tennessee he said he lives in a mobile home and said, if you, I want you to go and talk to him about Jesus. And they said, now, he may not even let you in. He said, he's a vocalist in a rock and roll sing, uh, band. and I don't remember the name of the band, but uh, I went and knocked on his door and he let me in. and We talked for a few minutes and I said, well, I've come to talk, talk to you about how to be saved, how to, how to have your sins forgiven. He said, well, I got plenty of them. And I said, well, let me just show you. And I just read to him, really, just a few verses out of the Bible. I read to him Romans chapter 3, verse 23. We've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. There's none that's righteous, no, not one. And I said, do you believe that? He said, yep. I said, well, you know, the Bible also says in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. You deserve to die. Do you believe that? He said, yeah. I said, but it goes on to say in Romans chapter 10, I mean, uh, uh, that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 6. And then I said, but it says in Romans 10, that if we will call upon, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I said, do you believe that? He said, yeah. I said, would you like to call on the Lord right now and ask him to save you? He said, yep. 
I said, all right. Why don't you just pray right now? I thought, man, this guy thinks he's John Wayne or something. Yep, yep, yep. And I said, why don't you just pray? And he just bowed his head and he said, Lord, save me. Amen. He didn't cry. Wasn't any mucus dripping from his nose or nothing, you know. I thought, I don't know about this. And I said, did you mean that? He said, yep. I said, do you believe the Lord saved you? He said, yep. I said, why do you believe the Lord saved you? He said, he said he would, didn't he? I said, yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. He had me. And that guy left his particular profession, ended up going into ministry later, telling people how to be saved. Isn't that something? So we're not saved by our emotion. We're not saved by, by any, anything we do. We're saved by what he did on our behalf. And I just, I just plead with you today. If you're not a Christian then receive him. Believe. Just, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe that he rose from the dead and now offers me the gift of eternal life. Just receive it. Receive it. But now, if you are a Christian, this will be next Sunday sermon, that means that immediately there is a battle that's set up inside of you. There is something in you There is someone in you called the Holy Spirit who says to you, you want to be a good Christian. You want to live a godly life. You want to be obedient to God. You want to serve the Lord. You want to tell others about Jesus. And that's there. He's there. But there is something else in you called the flesh. And that flesh fights against the Spirit. But, thank God, the Spirit fights too. And He fights against the flesh. And there is a constant battle in in the true Christian. Now, somebody say, well, you know, I, I, I belong to the church and I don't have that battle. I say, well, you need to belong to Jesus and you'll have that battle. If there is no battle, then there aren't two sides. There's just the one side. But listen to this verse. This is my text for this morning. I know you're thinking, well, now we're going to have the sermon? No, we had the sermon. Now here's the text. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Galatians chapter 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk under the control of the Spirit. Walk in the energy of the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed 
to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? To keep you from doing what you, by the Spirit's direction, want to. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. In other words, you're not under the compulsion of the demands of God because if you're led by the Spirit, you do these things out of a greater law, which is the law of love. That's the way God wants us to operate. Now, next week, I want to take you to a passage in Romans chapter 7 in which we hear the Apostle Paul. I mean, maybe the most vibrant Christian in church history. And we hear him describing the conflict that he felt in his own heart and life between the flesh and the spirit. Now here's the appeal to you today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, but there is something in you that is saying, I want to be. That did not originate with you. That originated with God's Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, just like he said to me that night when I was 17, I said, I want to be a Christian. But that didn't originate with me. I would have never wanted that had the Spirit of God not prompted it in my heart. So if you're not a Christian, not a follower of Jesus, receive him today. Just say, Jesus, I trust you. I do trust you. Thank you for forgiving my sin, cleansing my heart, giving me eternal life, and receive him today. But most of you are Christians. And some of you, are not even seriously in the fight. You're just letting the flesh win. And the Spirit of God in you is saying, in a sense, let me fight. Turn me loose. Let me win. And you do that by faith, the same kind of faith that you exercise when you got saved. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit lives in us to fight for us, to pray through us, and to win over the flesh in us. And I pray that you'll help us today to trust in you to realize that it is not by our effort that we get saved. It's by faith in you. And it's also not by our effort that we walk and live in victory in the Christian life. The same Holy Spirit who saved us is the same Holy Spirit who empowers us to live the life of Jesus in our hearts in our lives and I pray that you will help us to know that to believe that
and to know that it is all by grace, all by grace, all by grace, your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.